Hey guys, what's going on? It's John and Ryan here. After a long absence from No Holding Back, we had some little technical difficulties on some of the recordings, but we're here, and as always, we end up getting into it when it's in the meat of the sporting world rumors and notes and all the bullshit that's going on through not only just the NFL, given it's just finished with championship week, but we have a lot of drama going on in all of the different um, sports, such as you know the boxing and MMA and um, MLB. So we're going to kind of run through a little rundown as we normally do. We're going to start off with um, the MLB Hall of Fame vote was tonight. Um, kind of get into a little bit of reaction between the two of us of what happened. Uh, NFL championship games were this past weekend. Kind of go over what we what we thought ended up being the cause of the two losing teams. Um, the draft is in Vegas, and a big uh, <laughs> a big reveal ended up coming out this afternoon, which we thought was very very funny, given uh, a couple of teams that are picking at the top of the draft. And then this this past Saturday, or excuse me, this past Friday was uh, the 100th anniversary year of the uh, prohibition. And then on Saturday, Conor McGregor uh, comes back and wins a fight. So you can imagine how we all took that Saturday in, uh, in, you know, kind of response to the 100th year anniversary of the prohibition. (laughs) And then we're going to kind of top it off with a little bit of uh, Tiger action. He is back where he's won eight times at Torrey Pine. So we're going to kind of give a little oversight of how we think he's going to perform after his, uh, you know, dominating performance at the President's Cup. And then finally, we kind of wanted to discuss right before, you know, almost a month or two leading before March Man is kind of the state of college basketball. So we got a very interesting show coming up for you guys, a very interesting rundown. So I think we wanted to really start it off really quick with uh, to congratulate um, Derek Jeter and Larry Walker uh, for being the 2020 inductees into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Larry Walker, I believe, ended up getting in by six votes. And Derek Jeter, who was supposed to be unanimous, uh, one schmuck decided that uh, he didn't think that Derek Jeter deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. So, yeah. How, how about that? It's typical baseball fashion. You have the one guy not voting. I, I know we were talking earlier, Mariano got in unanimously, but where's this one guy get off, like, not voting? Do they just have somebody who sits up there and just votes no the whole time? So I think it's interesting because some people will say, all right, I didn't vote for Derek Jeter because I wanted to give my vote to somebody else who, you know, was either – needed to stay on the ballot or needed to, um, you know, kind of gain some momentum going into, like, the final years of them on the ballot, which I think is such a bullshit excuse. Like, right, because you either deserve to get in or, or you don't, right? Right. It shouldn't right. be playing around with the ballot. It's like, right. what, what are you guys doing on there for eight years? Like, you're really making Barry Bonds, Clemens, and uh, whoever else just hang on there like that? It's it's crazy to me. It's like they're better players than Walker ever was, and they make him wait ten years, and then these guys they're probably going to put in there right at the ten year mark as well. Yeah, I mean that's probably what's going to end up happening because I think the ballot's going to weaken in the next two years, especially next year. I mean it looks like Kurt Schilling may be the only person that gets in next year, but I think one thing that I wanted to point out and John Boy, who was the um, the one of the big time media guys uh, who kind of broke the Astros cheating gate, which, you know, we'll get into after this, but he makes a, makes a great point. He's like, you know, listen, if you're a hall of fame voter and you're sitting there and you're saying, okay, 
after all of this, 99% of your peers ended up voting for the guy to get into the Hall of Fame. And you ended up sitting at that 1% who didn't think that he deserved it. You should lose your ballot. You shouldn't be able to vote anymore. Oh, I absolutely agree. It, they yeah. should do the G rule, right? You, you cut the bottom 20%. So right. if there's 80% people agreeing, you're wondering what the hell those other 20% are doing, right? right. Maybe not that egregious of odds, but I, I think once you get into the 90 percentile, it's, you really got a question. It's, it's sort of like boxing. Like, there, there should be a way to uh, make people, you know, adhere or be responsible for their actions or what they're doing. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a shame because the next, like, two or three weeks we're going we're gonna to be really trying to find out. And we will find out who the person who didn't vote for um, Jeter is. But, you know, you never want to really take away from a guy who really has done it well both on and off the field. Um, so, and, and Larry Walker, I think it was great for the guys that have played at Coors Field. I don't know Second, if you people know, but John was primarily responsible for Don't Fuck With Cats. So, he's he's on this already. He, he's oh, yeah. It, oh, absolutely. He's absolutely. mainly doing it for his Jeter gift basket, but I'll, <laughs> I'll agree with you here. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I am one of the people that, uh, you know, not even going to go there. I'm just going to let it, <laughs> just going to let it lie. But, you know, again, congratulations to the two of them. They both deserved it. And, uh, you know, it's good that good they're going to be going, uh, in together because it's kind of a two different personalities. Right. The two of them. Um, yeah. So, so one of the things you touched on the Astros cheating scandal, it, it sounds as though, you know, the penalty was very harsh coming out, but then there's still a little bit of details leaking with, with the buzzers and all. But then then you have all these side stories. It's similar to the steroid era, right? Where you have Girardi coming out the other day, who is prominent manager for Yankees during a bunch of World Series runs, and saying, look, a lot of people were looking to steal signals. Yeah, or, I mean... Or, I... or doing similar things. Not like that but they were you know trying to game the system right and i think that's all part of gamesmanship and and if you are trying to i mean i think at first i think the mlb ended up creating this problem because they allowed instant replay and all the technology allowed to be in the dugouts in the first place so that's that i think is their fault and then right. from there you had people you know like aj hitch and 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 these other guys cora all the guys that were in the Astros decided that they were going to take advantage of it. Now, well, even before that, remember in September, um, they caught two different teams. I think it was Boston and somebody else where they issued a ruling just saying, like, look, this is the punishment now. If it happens again, it'll be a lot right. harsher. Right. I, I think it, the thing that kind of pissed me off the most and just regardless of, you know, being a fan, it's that. You know, AJ Hitch was called out by, you know, the Yankees and, and and other teams as well, and about you know cheating and stealing signs or whatever using using a camera and whatnot. And then he comes out all smug and was like, you know, you're just you know, you're just upset because you guys kept losing and you couldn't beat us, blah 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 blah. And then it comes out that he's doing all this stuff. I mean, there's one thing where you're stealing signs from second base. That's all gamesmanship. 
But when you're putting a live stream camera that's, you know, staring at the catcher's crotch, I think it ends up taking it to another level. Yeah. I Once you get into external devices, too, if they really were using the buzzer for hitting timing for off-speed pitches, that well, is kind of Yeah, crazy. I think that – I and I think the MLB really needed to kind of stop there because one i personally don't think that the that the penalties on the teams were were harsh enough at all i mean i don't think i think you should probably have gotten even harder on the players but i know the reason why that they didn't because trying to have the mlb deal with the mlb players association is probably one of the worst things that you could ever do just look at the steroid era but at the same time it's like you should void some of these guys contracts extensions that they signed like the hundred million that Alex Bredman ended up getting, you think he got it legit? No, he they were cheating. So you know what? You want to really punish them? Punish them that way. And if you could tell me that you're gonna be out Jose Altuve, all right, who is a great hitter by the way, and you're facing against a Rollis Chapman who throws average 97, probably 85 percent of the time, and then you decide that you're gonna sit on an 86 mile an hour slider low and away. You're either a great guesser or you're cheating. That's all I, I mean, he also had a great postseason this year, so you can't really take it away from him, and this was after it all happened. so. Yeah, but still, I mean, there's a difference in uh, – you, you, that's a – you're guessing. It, well, we're, we're uh, all guessing, right? We're, it's all – you can't really decide how much it helped him. Yeah, but, the, I mean, there's a guessing between a guy who throws, you know, maybe I, 10, 10 – 10 miles, you if know. there was external assistance, you're right. absolutely right. Um, right. But speaking of which, perfect segue, right? So you're yeah. talking about one league who actually took action and warned people and then followed through with it, right? With pretty right. stern. That, those were unheard of punishments. Yeah, I mean, you know. A lot, I, of, a lot of firing for managers. Not really anything to owners, but... Right. It was what it was, but... Then we go over to the NFL, right? A, a team that has been warned before and have been in trouble for filming. And they do it again, right? They're filming the Bengals before they're playing them. They get absolutely caught. The video comes out. And it's like a, a, a slap on the wrist. They, they just, you're just seeing how little power or how much in cahoots Goodell is in with the owners. Yeah, but I think it's because he has to, right? Like Adele is 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 a representation of all thirty-two owners, which. But how how do other teams, like, not create an uprising about that? Oh no, I would I well, it's one because they're probably doing the same shit and don't want to be crying wolf, <laughs> or or it's a matter of like, well, first I think those those penalties may be still kind of coming out, so TBD? it's going to be. Yeah, so I think we're still waiting to see what ends up transpiring from those actions. But I agree with you, and I don't even think it's it has to just do with the teams. I mean, the NFL talks about the shield and talks about the, you know the integrity of the game and everything like that, and they want mm-hmm. to protect their players and especially their future players. But and, and you got guys, you know, I don't mean to bring this guy up because I'm fucking tired of hearing about him. But you know, Antonio Brown gets he's not even playing football anymore and now he's get he's under investigation for assault and battery today i mean like you yeah, know that, that's a scary one man right like you you have somebody who you know is needs help 
it's very obvious. And and you can see it not just in the the NFL, the NBA too. I mean, we were talking about this yesterday after we the video came out about you know Delonte West homeless and begging for money, and I think he just got the shit kicked out of him by a bunch of assholes. But like, you know. The big thing with these 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 organizations is that they try to take care of their players while they're playing, but they never ever are being able to manage their money correctly, and shit like that ends up happening to them. Yeah. You don't hear you they, don't hear they, about them a lot, but right. And and I think they have gotten better to a certain extent with some of the classes or you know FAs that they set them up with, financial right. advisors, stuff like right. that. And they do do some pensions now, but. Mm. You're yeah, not but it's wrong. still, but that's that's that was I think more reaction reactionary than being proactive, right? I mean, like I think the one um, ballers on HBO ended up showing it pretty pretty uh, profoundly when The Rock was trying to um, manage these guys' finances after managing finances for some of his you know f- former teammates and ended up running their financial uh, you know. Correct. earnings but into is, the ground is, like now, that's the shit that they were trying to protect now is the average person supposed to care about that like they no absolutely not no so. no i i mean i we're i think we're just thinking out of it from like again the video came out and they're like prayers up and all that bullshit i'm like listen the guy was playing basketball a sport making millions of dollars correct you know, i i don't have that much sympathy for him i do feel bad but at the same time not prayers up because if I ended up being in the same situation or I ended up like no one was saying prayers up to Mike Tyson when they stole all of his money. So like, you know, a little uh, bit different. Uh, well, I mean, you know, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like it, it, the common person isn't getting the prayers up by all these mega athletes and stuff like that. So right. it, it's whatever. I mean, it good on them for trying to do a cause, but it's just, you know, some awareness. It's the same thing when athletes come out and, and say, woe is me about anything. Or like if you're Andre Iguodala saying, oh, I'd be perfectly happy driving a Kia or something like that. When he right. doesn't even own one. Right. There's like six different cars out there. But all right. I think that's I mean, enough of that. Let, let's yeah. talk about where people can change their fortunes. And duly, the NFL teams could change their fortunes. The okay. NFL draft going to Vegas, baby. How well, about not even that? Just the, let's let's take one step back. Not an an NFL team is moving to Vegas this year. Very they are true. playing their first games in Vegas. So we have that, and then we have the NFL draft in Vegas, which reports came out today, which I think is awesome. They are shutting down the strip because the for traffic reasons. And the NFL draft stage will be above the fountain pool at the Bellagio Hotel. Now. It's going to be awesome. Now. There are many questions that I have. One. There was a picture of a boat bringing, I don't know whether it was Roger Goodell to the stage whether it was the players after they got drafted to the stage. I don't know. But there is no way that I can't see the 2017 Giants wide receivers corp announcing the uh, the draft picks for the New York Giants at some point. In that draft. If they it just makes a, too much sense. If they do have a boat taking players out, I want 
all the Oakland fans out there to get a pirate Vegas ship. Vegas fans. And no, the old, old Oakland fans. I want them to get a pirate ship and <laughs> stop the Raiders draft pick. <laughs> well, so you heard right. what... <laughs> Typical Raiders, show them what the black hole is, little pirate logo, take over that, make them walk the plank. Well, they did. They did say that they were going to keep the black hole in the new Vegas stadium. So they're waiting to unveil that, I think, soon. So at least they kept that. I, I thought that they should if they were going to keep the, the field turf, I thought they should have uh, kept. the. I think I said it on a couple of shows ago that they should keep like a a brown like baseball diamond on the yeah, field they, they as a turf. Dye it. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Something along those lines. But well, hey, who knows? They probably but won't do that. Vegas, Vegas is going to be fun in April. And all I know is if you were out in Vegas this past weekend, you had a good time. Unless your name was Dan Bolzarian, who lost a fuck ton of money on <laughs> on uh, Cowboy Cerrone. Mr. Cowboy Cerrone. What a jackass. Who takes that bet, man? Like, well, first of all, I think you're supposed to take that bet. You're just not supposed to put all that fucking money. Well, he, he was a pretty big dog, first off, coming off two losses. And, right, you might be thinking Connor's made his millions. He, he's very satisfied. But if you've watched, like, any of his videos he's been putting out about him training, the dude's been looking phenomenal. Well, that's and what happens he, when you don't never, for four months. <laughs> court ordered. <laughs> um, but it, I, I think what he did to Cerrone was so impressive, and it's a testament to the way he game plans for people. Right. So, for instance— Which I don't, Yeah, I don't think a lot of people give him enough credit for that portion of his, of his game. No, and I, I don't know how much fighters go— in, fight fans go into the mind, but this dude's fighting mind is very impressive. To pick apart film the way he does and Mm -hmm. see the weaknesses and holes in fighters' games and be able to capitalize it, too. Because it's one thing, yeah, you can sit back and watch it and maybe pick it apart if that's your thing, if you're a coach and all that. But then to actually go out and implement it yourself is wild, right? Because you have all that pressure on you, especially for Connor. He's the most pressure on him out of any fighter. Right. Uh, biggest draw out there. And then, you know, all the other fighters want to knock his head off. So it's being able to have the composure and actually go through with it and the confidence to believe in what you've done. So. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, he looked good physically. I, I, mm-hmm. I take a step back when I'm when I was watching the fight, and it's just like, is it is he, is he really that good, or is is Cowboy like that slow and he's kind of that over the hill? I mean, regardless, you know, the I think they estimated that the, that the fight ended up doing like two million pay per view buys, which is another record that McGregor ended up setting, um, along with being the first fighter ever, I think, who knocked out three different opponents in three different weight classes. So yeah. I mean, and, and I it think was it, a terrible card too. To add to that matter, right? I mean, there was no, there was. I mean, we were, you know, us degenerates. We were at the bar <laughs> for that fight at like I think we ended up getting there around five o'clock because I think the Duke game was on. So we ended up going into the going to that. Plus, then the fight started right at that after that. So it ended up kind of being a whirlwind of a of a night. But yeah. I think one of the things that it needs to be understood is that 
Connor is able to kind of dictate what he wants to do in the UFC, I think. Like some people were, you know, getting at me on 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 Twitter and Instagram and they were like, "All right, so why does everyone think that he needs that he automatically gets a title shot?" And I'm and I'm like, "Well, I don't I don't think he f- needs to fight for that anymore. I think he I mean, does what what belt is he going to go after? What where is he going to fight at? Is he going to stay at 170, which I think he should because that division is probably the best division in the UFC right now? Or does he and, go back down to 155? And and not only that, it, it's what you were saying earlier with the numbers and that he brings in. The guy makes the sport. Right. Like he, he's exciting. He brings all this attention to it. And then whoever's fighting him gains a following if they do happen to beat him. You know what I mean? Look, right. look what happened to Diaz. He went from a, a fight fan, you know, one of their heroes who nobody else really knew about. This guy just... You know, does his own thing, doesn't really do the pub, doesn't talk too much, and right. just goes, just loves fighting. And he became an overnight success because of that. Right. You know, right. not saying that his uh, previous record and all didn't warrant it, but because of the fights with Connor, he really uh, started making a lot of money. Yeah, and, and you know, and I think that's a great segue into like who we think Connor is going to oh, really fight one, next. One right? point on the fight. That I wanted to talk about. For those of you who didn't see it, you should check it out. Obviously, you just watch the clips. But the other point of people saying Connor's not that great is this right. dude uses every part of his body as a weapon. I've never seen shoulders used like that. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Going in for the clinch, and he's throwing up his shoulder, breaks Cerrone's nose with three shoulders up. Like, who the hell can do that? Yeah, I think it's a testament to his camp too, and the way that he studies. The, and his, I think his post interview with Rogan was very, very specific on how he how he studied Cowboys game when he was in the clinch, and he specifically said that he ends up leaving his his um, I believe he said he ends up leaving his chin close to his opponent's shoulder. So that's why he was like, all right, so I think we were just going to try this to see if it was going to work. <laughs> if we could just kind of jump up and kind of knock him out with a shoulder during the clinch. And we were just like, wow, that's, that's ingenious. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. So, you know, all credit to him and his camp. Um, Cerrone didn't even land a strike. I don't even think he 19 threw to zero a strike. for significant strikes. Yeah. So... You know, Connor's. I think Connor was talking about Connor and his camp. Kavanaugh was saying that they may try and uh, put in a fight before the summer. Um, you know, I, I personally, I know some people were saying he should, he should fight. Uh, what's his name? Guthrie. Must- Is that his name? Oh, uh, no, the other Gaethje. guy. Gaethje. Yeah. So I'm not that, interested in that. that. That would be a no. I, I think that would be the most fun fight. Gaethje's very wild and reckless. And just goes for the kill. And this this guy can take a shot as well. Yeah, I mean, I get I get that, but you just had a huge event where you created this new like yeah. belt, basically. To me, the biggest draw is him versus Mastival. Right. Look look at what Mastival is doing with the self promotion, uh, dressing like Scarface, wearing a Versace robe, just not giving a shit. And right. It, Street Jesus, but bunch of things he's done as well. I I think that's the fight to make with those two. 
Yeah, and and if and if they don't, if they can't make that work, then you do, then you you go for Diaz and Connor three, which I think everybody else. All you got to do, all you're really looking for for that next fight for Connor is more more pay per view buys and you know a, a much better card. Yeah, me personally, I'm not really interested in him fighting Diaz again. I've seen it. It's it's whatever. I, I want to see yeah. him fight someone new. Like, no, I it, agree. It, but I can see him kind of being. I, listen, not many people want to get in the ring with Masvidal, especially what he's done after his last nope. two fights. And he Stop. walks around at a big 170. I know Connor, his normal walking rate is around 170, 175, mm. so it's not very difficult for him. But still, I mean, it, I mean, it'd be a fun fight. You talk about another thing. He he didn't get credit for the way he game planned for Ben Askren, right? With the yeah. flying knee. Yeah, right. Which exactly. was very impressive. Uh, you know, threw it all out there versus Diaz. And, right. and you know it would be an exciting fight because he doesn't leave anything in the tank when he fights. Uh, right. Right. So I think, and it's the same for both of them. You know, you saw it in Correct. the, I don't mean to bring bring this fight up, but like Connor can go five rounds. He's got the stamina to go five rounds. Um, Jorge, we haven't been able to see him go five rounds. Um, he ended up the TKO against uh, Diaz, I think it was the start of the fourth. So he really only went three, but it's just really about seeing kind of where that, where those two guys are. And especially if Connor's kind of taking his shit seriously now and, and stop being a, an asshole, um, you know, like th- then you're going to see a better, a better, um, Connor than we saw previously when he was winning two belts and, you know, yeah, taking Ma- on Floyd Mayweather. Masvidal's gone five rounds twice in his career and okay. lost both of them, but both were down at 155. Okay. And I think what oh, Jorge's what fought like 35 times or something MMA? Uh, 48. 48. Well, see, so there you and go. A, and a bunch of backyard fights. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. You know, this is this is that th- that's what that's what you need. You need that backyard, you know, street kid in in Connor who came up, you know, through the ranks, and then you get this, you know, and it's the U.S. versus Ireland. Thing. Like you got the whole, the whole. Oh, it would be great. Yeah. So I, I think that's what Dana needs to uh, make happen. And I think he kind of subtly said it when he was like, "Oh, Connor's going to fight for a belt," and technically Jorge has a belt. It's just, you know. Yeah, I, I think the other one that they were talking about, too, was the, um, the fight with Khabib again. Uh, yeah, which, yeah. Which, which I, I think that's silly to even say because you can't count out turn, Tony Ferguson versus Khabib already. No, I think they're, I think they're kind of um, underestimating that, that matchup a little bit. But mm-hmm. I think when Dana was saying that, you know, it's going to be a belt, I think that he needs to fight Jorge first, and then I believe the winner of Tony and um, Khabib would then fight Connor probably in late 2020. Right, and that's if he wants to go back down. Right, which you know he's going. I think if Khabib wins, he will. If Tony ends up winning, I think that Khabib's going to end up getting a rematch anyway, so they're going to fight that one out. I like to see Connor at 170 personally. Yeah, doesn't matter to me. As long as he's fighting, I'm happy. All right. So, 
I, I think we, we've talked enough about that. Let's talk about someone else who has that greatness about him in El Tigre. Headed to Torrey Pines, where he's notoriously done very well throughout his career. Coming off a hot streak again in late fall. Uh, mm-hmm. And we, we know he's started off pretty hot both years now. So what, what do you think his chances are this weekend? Uh, so it's going to be very interesting because the way that Tiger ends up or used to try to play Torrey Pines was to take advantage of the par fives, which recently he hasn't been able to do, um, on the recent courses that he's played in. He's been kind of grinding through those par fives. So I hope to see him take advantage of that. Uh, I would also like him to see play better on number one. Because he's like double bogeyed it, I think, the last like five rounds he's played it. And then the other thing is going to be because it's the first tournament of the season, and a lot of these guys uh, just started playing uh, with the new tailor made drivers. So I think they're still all trying to figure out their shot shapes and, and what shafts they're going to need. What's the difference with those drivers? So I mean, it's it's not about for for me to for me you and and other amateurs that that play with certain equipment. I mean, you end up going to a club fitting and they'll just put a shaft on and they'll give you a degree and and then that's it. But these guys are hitting, you know, so many different shots that their their equipment needs to be very very precise. So I think what Tiger ended up mentioning was is that. You know, he hasn't been able to hit the stinger that the way that he wants to with his three wood with the new driver, which is the shot that, you know, Tiger is most famous for. So it's like things like that with new equipment that comes out in the new year that these all these guys adjust to. Now, do not they only... have to use the new equipment or what would be the? Can you have I mean, different shafts? I, I, they don't have to. I, mm-hmm. But I, actually, they. Actually, they may have to. They, I think they may have to because, like, you're not, you're as, like, imagine Tiger Woods is playing Tory Pines right now for the Farmers Insurance Open, and he's and their tailor-made new drivers are out there being pumped up, and Tiger Woods playing with old drivers. That's not, and Roy McIlroy is doing the same. That's not a good look for tailor-made trying to sell, you know, new I mean, technology. He did do that in the beginning of his career. Well, that was because he he was playing with a I don't want to say inferior equipment but he, I mean he was the only one that was being endorsed by Nike so they didn't have many <laughs> clubs that they were that they were changing out I mean tailor made is is what some people call uh, uh the, the, the Cadillac of golf clubs no not even the Cadillac not the Cadillac of golf clubs. It's like, like the problem with golf equipment is, is that they end up coming out with new clubs every year, and you know, a new tailor-made driver is probably what, like four eighty, five twenty. Like, oh you know, yeah, I know brand, brand new, yeah. And, yeah, and it could get way more expensive than that, like you said, if once you go yeah, into all the customization and exactly. And they, I mean, obviously, these guys get it all for free, but I know, I know, I know guys who who get drive, new drivers every year and, you know, their game doesn't improve whatsoever. But, you know, I guess it makes I guess it makes them feel, you know, bigger at home. You know, I don't want to end up, you know, 
you know who I'm talking about if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> but but I think it's going to be interesting to see how how all these guys end up uh, playing with the new equipment, and you know obviously how the weather is um, is very important at Torrey. And if any of you have ever been able to have the opportunity to go out to San Diego and see this place, it is magnificent. And I believe they're playing the U.S. Open again there next year. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a good, it's kind of a good barometer to see kind of where his game is in relation to uh, that. You all right. You dying on me over there. Excuse me. Yes, I was too, <laughs> too excited about Tory Pines. And Tiger. Yeah. Oh, well, that's what I like to hear. So, yeah, so that's, that it's going to be an interesting, uh, so I think that's a good segue. Speaking about dying, how about dying. college basketball? Man, You're all about the segues on tonight's show, Ryan. I'm on fire with the segues, man. Let me go. Just don't put me on a segway near Tory Pines. Be right like the owner of that creator. <laughs> well, you actually may end up doing it pretty well because then you could sue the city when you fall off the fucking cliff. True. <laughs> Too bad I wouldn't get to reap the rewards. Um, yeah. yeah. You'll roll. <laughs> all right. So, I mean, college baseball, we, we've been seeing a plethora of offsets the draft rankings are all over the place they have no clue who to rank in even the top 10 right there's no definitive top two players you know there's not a top one it's Uh questioning and the top one supposedly not even uh playing in college right now it's supposed to be uh one of the ball brothers who's playing over in australia who just got hurt correct and right. you, you have another one who's suspended in Wiseman from NCA due to all the allegations. Mm-hmm. I mean, could have came back, but decided not to. And, you know, it, it's one of those years I, I think the NBA really got lucky with the star talent that was there. Right. Um, in recent years and pretty good drafts, which, which also carried that NCA. But I'm wondering what else is causing this? You think... It's guys trying to be superstars, or what do you think's happening with this? No, I just think these guys are so young. I mean, you're going mm-hmm. into the you going into the NBA, you know, if you're one and done, you're 18, 19 years old. I mean, I think the a, a great perfect a great example for this is Brandon Ingram. You know, he gets drafted <laughs> by LA. A lot of people mm-hmm. thought that he like at that time were thinking that you should draft him before you draft Ben Simmons, and. You know, he ended up playing in L.A. Then he ended up playing with LeBron. And then when or no, when he was in L.A., he was part of that whole like he was involved with that swaggy P. Right. uh, D'Lo bullshit or whatever. Like this is an 18, 19 year old kid and you're subjecting him to this type of environment is not conducive to his future uh, play in the NBA. And well, then LeBron I, I comes think in. That's and a then, good point like, too. D'Angelo Russell's another one. You have Markel Fultz. Right, they're, got... everybody's immature, right? Like they, they're mm-hmm. still kids. You know, at the end of the day, they haven't been able to go through the, 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 what is it? Those experiences that you go through right. in college, where you kind and of learn through all of that. Proper maturation, you know, learning right. all the systems, getting down your shots, working out the kinks against lower level talent, so it doesn't diminish your confidence. Right, exactly. So I think you're seeing that kind of what you said, the NBA and college basketball, more importantly, were very spoiled by the type of talent that was there. And you had you had 
there's a difference when you have a bunch of men that are playing against a bunch of boys in the NCAA as opposed to boys playing up with a bunch of men in the NBA. It's just something that, you know, is very, very apparent when you're watching these kids jump from college to the NBA and then they don't become successful until year three, four in their career. Correct. And, and like I'm looking at the rankings right now. I've never, you know, Baylor, maybe been in the top 10, San Diego State, number four now, Dayton, number seven, Seton Hall, 10. These are a lot of, I mean, Seton Hall's had good programs, but, you know, they're not historically up there. Oregon at 12. Well, you didn't say one blue blood. I know, right? Well, I'm jumping around, skipping some of them, but it's crazy to me, like, the way these, um, you know, rankings are. I mean... For crying out loud, Colorado's 23, Rutgers is 24, Houston's 25. It's it's never been like this. I think you're going to see one of two things. I think when they end up making the decision on the whole one and done and the high school kids, it's going to be end up, you're going to see a a much better college basketball because the kids are going to be able to um, not only uh, mature both as individuals and as players, but also, you know, you have the NCAA changes with how they may be able to profit while they're playing. So you're going to be able to kind of go through that process. How, how about uh, that point? The, the NCAA, right, they're supposed to be in charge of these kids' future and right. looking out for the best interest for them and providing them, you know, with, with all the assets they succeed in life. What, mm-hmm. bec- what it looks like with basketball for instance since we're talking about it is that their greed of making money is the detriment to these kids whereas they could work out a compromise getting these kids some money you wouldn't have had the one and done you could have worked to a way to keep them in school for a little bit longer they would have better careers they would have uh, you know a better financial setting around them they'd be able to make some money feed themselves and it's to me, yeah, it, but, it looks like NCA has caused a lot of this harm. I see that. I think, you know, I, I think I'm of the minority that disagrees with that because, regardless of whether you pay them in college, they're only there for four years at the most. So if you're paying them for four years, let's say they get hurt, mm-hmm. now you're now you're talking about them losing financial dollars playing in the NBA. Well, then I'm, I'm, on. Yeah, when when I say pay them, I'm I'm not talking about big money. It's what no, I've always no. talked about before with, with the work study. Right, right. But still, at, at that, you're you're enticing. You're still enticing some others that may look, look at Zion Williams. A perfect example, right? Mm-hmm. Zion had said on JJ Reddick's podcast early this week or or late last week that he wanted to return to to Duke, but his family told him that he shouldn't. And then Coach K even said that he shouldn't. It all becomes, it, it, it's all depending on, you know, if he gets hurt, it's a whole right. different conversation. And how do you stipulate the difference between that kid and other kids? I, right. I'm saying for the majority of the kids, you know. Yeah, you give them the work study. After, after pick five, it's generally a crapshoot that these kids are going to make it an NBA. Yeah, but you also need to understand that the money that these universities end up 
getting after they do successful in the tournaments or whatever. I just I just ended up walking through or like a visual walkthrough of LSU's new football facilities. Unreal. I mean, like, yeah, you're not getting paid, but that it's going back into the facilities and everything. Like, and trust me, I am all for for these guys getting paid. That's not what I'm saying at all. But a lot of people think that the schools aren't really trying to take care of them. But I'm seeing 70, 80, 100 million dollar facilities getting put up for these kids. And only the, the teams are allowed to use them. And it's not a, you know, a joint facility. Basketball has their own facility. Football has their own facility. It's insane. Correct. But, but as those kids, then you don't even have the pocket change in your pocket to go out on a date at night. What are you gonna yeah, take your I mean, girl to the facility? I would. That's like take, <laughs> That's like that's. You know what that's like. You know what that's like when 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 you have a uh, a country club membership and you need to hit your food <laughs> limit, and you and you just keep taking you keep taking all these all these dates to <laughs> to the, the country club and it's all nice and fancy. Everyone has to get dressed up and then all you have to do is the guy. You just write your member number down. You feel like a boss. You don't have to throw anything down. Like that's the same thing. Hey, you want to come to the the? Uh, I got the private viewing of, uh, you know, uh, what's it? Once upon a time in Hollywood, we got vibrating lounge chairs in the LSU football facility. Come on now, that's it. That's at least getting you a second date. That is pretty accurate, and they're not allowed to go out and play either. <laughs> Just look at the country club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh Jesus. Oh my God. Am they're I not making like that, that up? Any- they're not there, like that there, anymore. There are Ryan. some clubs that are still like that. Not in this country. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tiger well, was on. able to put that put that to bed. But no, I agree. I mean, the good the other side of the the that NCAA thing is that this oh, tournament men women. Men, oh. women. Yeah. Oh. oh no no no. Well, the country club should stay like that. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> There are some. There are some. John's there been floor played one too many times. Yes. Yes. And that's the only way. That's the only. I don't, I don't need to see it. I don't need to see it. I don't <laughs> want to see it. That's why I tee off early in the morning and get done in three hours. All right. I, I mean, anything else you want to touch before we get ourselves in any more trouble? <laughs> yeah. Well, the last thing to your college basketball argument was the fact that I think that because of the, all the parity and no superstars, you're going to have one hell of a tournament in March. I agree. There's going to be a lot of upsets, but it, the quality won't be there. You know, we're, we're not going yeah, to see... What's the, but what's the... I mean, it, the quality is just based off of the people that are there. I mean, when you're talking about guys like Zion last year who were just, like, leaping over everybody, but if everybody's playing at that same level, I mean, you, the you're going to have close games. You're going to have buzzer beaters. I mean, we're taking off for your goddamn national holiday. I'm yeah. pretty sure our bracket's going to be busted in the first day. Yeah, but it, it's still not the same. We're, we're, we're talking about future NBA stars playing against each other in the, the finals of the tournament. You know, it, yeah. and it coming down to, you know, the end of it, and then one of those key bench guys is in the big shot with them, and then he goes down to fame. Stuff like that, I, I think yeah. you're really missing. Eh, 
I don't really care about that. Like everybody remembers the Valsboro game winning shot and not, nobody knows who was on that team, but you remember the team name and the year. So it's like, I could care less if it's a superstar or not, or if it's you getting off the bench because we have nobody else to play and you <laughs> chuck it up a three. I don't really, I don't really care who it is as long as my team wins. And it's all about talking shit, right? Like, you know, uh, one of our listeners, Ian, from uh, from Fort Worth, ends up talking shit about me. He just got into Syracuse grad school, so now he always talks shit about me about how Syracuse is going to be Duke. So, but that's like all the fun of it, right? Like you just you just talk shit. It's the camaraderie. That's all. That's all it's about. Well, as my mom always taught me, talk shit, get hit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, I could take a punch. <laughs> I've taken a punch or two. So you know what. Well deserved as a Duke fan. Yeah, well that's what they always say. But you know what? I always say, you can't go through life without taking one punch because you never learn and you never be brought back down to earth. Don't disagree with that, my friend. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I hope everybody had a good time listening to us. So we're trying to get more frequent and improve the quality of the show as we keep going on. You guys have been clamoring for us to get back on i know and we apologize for for the delay it's just been a tough couple of weeks for us um given everything that's been going on so we just wanted to um thank you for the support as always i mean this is kind of the um year anniversary for us we started uh this podcast last year uh during the uh the championship week or right after the championship week so this is kind of a little bit of a special day for us but um you know, we just wanted to say thank you for the support, um, and we uh, we hope to keep moving forward and making this show better and better. And as always, as we always sign off, this is no holding back. Let us know if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. We don't take your concerns at all because, you know, we're just going to keep doing what we do because that's how we like to play. But um, we do love hearing from you, and uh, we appreciate, again, um, all the insight and questions. Anything else from you, Ryan? Nope. Love you, folks. That's it. All right, guys, as always, this is No Holding Back.